Grace, mercy, and the peace of God be and abide with you this day. As we continue in our series that we've been in for this month of September, The Obedience of Faith, talking about the ways in which we are obedient to God from rooted in the faith that we have in Jesus. Our message title for today is found actually in verse 13 of Philippians chapter 2, um, where the Apostle Paul, writing back to the Philippian church, says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. To will and to work. It's God who works in us to will and to work. There's work to do. That's really kind of the theme of this series, that we have tasks. We have things that God has given us to do. Paul writes elsewhere in Ephesians chapter 2 that, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So we carry out what God has for us as people of faith striving, endeavoring to live lives that bring him glory. We have plans, we have desires, we have hopes, we have dreams. In short, we have a will, right? God has given us a free will, and yet he works in us to shape that will according to his purpose. Our will, our desire, our willingness, it's connected to our mindset our attitude. So this morning, a bit of an attitude check. You ever had an attitude check? One of those moments in life when, when you realize maybe you were thinking the wrong thing, where your mindset was in a direction that wasn't necessarily appropriate. Remember those um, V8 commercials? How many remember those? Where the people would go, I could have had a V8, right? I, I'm I'm drinking what I don't know what the you know morning beverage might have been, um, or you know maybe it was somebody eating a donut. I don't remember. These are like 1980s commercials. This is vintage stuff, so you know you could probably Google it. I don't know. Uh, look it up on YouTube. But there, you know, a person's eating a donut and you're starting to feel that oh I ate a donut feeling, right? Wow, I could have had a V8. Every now and then we get that wow. I've been thinking one thing where my mind should be directed in a different direction. Verse 5 in Philippians chapter 2 says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I learned this from the New International Version that was published in 1984. Um, That's the one that's stuck in my mind. And the translation went like this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So have this mind or this attitude that's like the attitude of Jesus. You know, as they say, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Our attitudes, our mindset controls our actions, our behavior. Now, we probably know people with a great attitude. You know, someone who always seems to have that that great attitude, maybe not always, most of the time has a great attitude, right? That person that's cheerful, that's helpful, that's positive. 
A person, you, you know, who you, you talk about, like, here's what's going on in the world, and they can take it and say, well, you know, look at all the, the bright side, right? What was that movie that you like? Pollyanna. I, I knew she would just get it like that. Paul is a fan of Pollyanna. If you haven't seen that movie, it's a good one, because Pollyanna goes to the people in the town and is like, let's think positive, let's be hopeful, let's be encouraging, all good things. We also probably know people with poor attitudes, people who are regularly negative or down or focused on problems or concerns. Now, I'm not saying that when we have problems, we shouldn't pay attention to them or we should try to ignore them and just put a positive spin on everything. I'm not advocating ignoring issues. There's a difference between addressing our problems, though, and having kind of the Eeyore sound. You know Eeyore, right? Pooh's friend. The donkey that's always walking around like, well, this is bad, right? There's a, an axiom that's true for flight that's also true in our lives. Your attitude determines your altitude. Attitude in flight has to do with the, the angle of the wing. The attitude of the airplane will determine how high it flies. The attitude that we have will determine a lot about our lives. There's an old story of two brothers. I've, I've used this before, so maybe you remember it. I think Ronald Reagan used to always tell this. I, I found that out this week as I was remembering the story and looked it up again. It's about two brothers, two young boys, and one of them was always really downcast and negative. No matter what was happening, he had a, a negative attitude. And his brother was always, he's the optimist, right? Everything's great. And so they, the parents, you know, wanted to see what they could do for their boys, right? Encourage the one to think more positively and to be more cheerful and, and take the other one maybe down a notch because he needed a little bit more reality in his life. So they took him to a psychologist or some, somebody who encouraged them, like, let's try this. And they took the boy who was kind of always negative and downcast, and they put him in a room filled with all these brand new toys and things that, that he would just really love to have and enjoy and, and play with. And they took his brother and put him in a, a room that was just piled from floor to ceiling with, with manure. Well, the, the boy that was put in the room with all the toys, for a few minutes looked like he was enjoying himself, but after a little while, the scowl returned to his face and his brow furrowed, and they said, what's wrong? Well, you know, all of these things are going to get broken. Parts are going to get lost. These toys won't last very long, so they won't be very fun for that much time. And they go to look at his brother who's in a room piled with manure. And he's running around just super excited. And with his bare hands, he's digging in these piles. And what are you doing? And he says, well, with all this manure, there must be a pony in here somewhere. Our attitude determines a lot. Our attitude determines our reactions. What we're talking about today, though, isn't, isn't as simple as optimists and pessimists. It's not as, as straightforward as a good attitude and a negative attitude. What we need to talk about today is five aspects of the attitude of Jesus. 
identified in Philippians chapter 2. There's, I'm sure there's many more aspects of the attitude of Jesus, but these are the ones that Paul identifies here in this text that we need to look at today. The first one is Jesus emptied himself. This is part of the mindset, the attitude of Christ to empty himself. As people, we can be very full of ourselves, right? You might, you, you might have met someone totally full of himself or herself. And immediately, we probably think of that person that's somewhat pompous, right? The look at me, look at me person. But it's not only people who are, you know, how great I am, here's my story, this is what I've done, who is full of himself or herself, doesn't have to be conceited. That person doesn't have to be conceited to be full of self. Because some people with low self-esteem are as self-focused as anyone. The woe is me, here's my latest problem kind of person. The person who doesn't listen well. Jesus' attitude, though, Jesus emptied himself. Look at verses 6 and 7 of Philippians chapter 2. Though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Beginning into verse 7, he emptied himself. He poured himself out. That's hard for us to do because we're self-interested, self-centered by nature. Our, Our instincts take over and we look out for number one. And in a lot of ways, we need to. In a lot of ways, we have to do that. I mean, we have to meet our own needs or the needs of our own family. That's somewhat required of us. But Paul directs us in verse 3, so if you back up toward the beginning of the chapter, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. See, it's not just meeting our needs. We don't stop there, do we? We continue to, to pursue our desires, to pursue the things that we, that we want. So there's a difference between accomplishing what we need to do and, and going too far. And the attitude of Jesus is to empty himself, and the attitude Paul's directing us toward is not to do things from selfish ambition. So the first part of this is, is to empty oneself. Not easy to do, but this is the encouragement of Christ. Number two, servanthood. Verse 7 continues that he emptied himself, Jesus did, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus didn't just empty himself. He he was born into, into... Humanity. He, he took on flesh. He became a servant. That's the purpose of Christ, to serve. If you look at Matthew 20, you can find this verse, in, uh, verse 28. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many, the verse goes on to say. Jesus said to them, being his disciples in Mark chapter 9, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Serve. We like to be served, right? 
Are you looking forward to restaurants opening again locally? <laughs> We've had some carry-out food, some takeout uh, a few times. But Paula and I went and sat down um, outside a cafe last weekend. And it was, it was a little different. Because someone, I mean, we had gone in and placed our order at the counter, um, staying socially distanced, masks on, you know. Um, but then we went outside with our little number and we put it on the table and, and someone came around and made sure that we had what we needed and someone brought the food to us and set it before us. And, and then, you know, we enjoyed this food that someone else made. That someone else had to do the shopping to make sure that all the ingredients were available and someone else cut the things and cooked the things and did all the work. And then that person came back who had brought the food and checked on us, made sure everything was okay. It was beyond okay. It was so delicious. But then they took the plates away. And before that, they brought us boxes for the leftovers and and then they took the plates and cleared the table, and after we were gone, they, they cleared it and sanitized it and prepared it for the next person. We like to be served. And there's something about being served that's enjoyable. My primary love language is, if you know the, you're familiar with the five love languages book, the primary one for me is acts of service. I feel appreciated and loved when someone does something on my behalf. And the way I express love is similar. I will do things. Verse 4, backing up toward the beginning of the chapter, Paul addresses the church at Philippi and us by extension when he says this, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. How can we serve? Who in your life needs you to help, needs you to be a servant? Sometimes it's hard to do that. But the third aspect of the attitude of Jesus is humility. Remember that old song, Lord, it's hard to be humble? It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek song, and he goes on to sing about when you're perfect in every way, right? But it's hard for us to be humble. It is hard for us to humble ourselves toward work or tasks that we don't really want to do. Maybe there's something that you just don't like to do and seems like that's kind of, you know, menial or demeaning kinds of work. Or maybe toward people that you, you, we don't want to interact with, with that person. We don't want to roll up our sleeves and get involved. We don't want to get our hands dirty, maybe not even literally. I was on a flight one time and I got bumped up to first class. I don't even know how. I wish I did, because then maybe I could do that again. It was something. It was really nice to be in first class and to have them bring the hot towel, not just the paper towel, and have a, a beverage not in a tiny plastic cup, but in something a little nicer. To eat the meal, not with tiny little plastic fork and knife, but with like real silverware. This is like exceptional flight. I didn't want it to land. Like, if we could just, let's just keep flying, right? It was nice. When our identity and our, our, our gets wrapped up in, in that kind of experience, 
where we feel like this is what I deserve, this is where I am, and I won't lower myself to be with the people in coach, right? Behind that curtain. <laughs> but in a lot of ways in our lives, we, we find ourselves not wanting to associate with certain folks or lower ourselves. But in verse 3, Paul said, In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. How can we humble ourselves? Our model is Jesus, who humbled himself. Verse 6, did not, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he humbled himself. And that's what it says in verse 8. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the fourth aspect that we're looking at today in the attitude of Christ, to be obedient. This whole month, this whole series has been about the obedience of faith. And Jesus gives us that example. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He stepped into this mess in which we find ourselves, in, in this mess of humanity, to fulfill the work he was given to do. We want obedient dogs. <laughs> we appreciate it when our children are obedient. But obedience isn't automatic, is it? For us, it takes training. It takes practice. It takes discipline which is the same root as the word disciple. As disciples of Jesus, we should be obedient toward him. We should carry out the things that, that God gives us to do, that Jesus gives us to do. We like being self-directed, don't we? We like, you know, thinking of all the tasks and all the things that we want to do. And, you know, some people write them all down in a checklist. Other people schedule their day in such a way that they have everything moment by moment planned out. However you're organized, what in your to-do list is what Jesus is calling you to do? Now, I'm not saying that your tasks around the house aren't directed by the Lord. They are. You know, that's part of our vocation as husbands or wives or parents or children, or brothers, sisters, whatever relationship you have in your home. As good citizens, as people who live in a community, as good neighbors toward others, there's a lot of things we do that are the will of God for us that aren't like go and be a missionary or go and evangelize. Those things are important too. But it's a lot of what we do are, are important things directed by Christ for us to carry out. Let's be obedient. Because some of the things that we do, some of the choices that we make, take us to places where we know, where we recognize we have disobeyed. God calls us back toward obedience. The obedience of faith. Not in our own effort, but in the Spirit of God working within us. Fifth aspect of the attitude of Christ here in Philippians 2 is Jesus was sacrificial. He was obedient to death, even death on the cross, a sacrifice for our sin. 
for all of our attitudes of selfishness, our self-centered thoughts, our lack of humility, our lack of service to others, our disobedience, all of the ways that, well, we needed Jesus to lay down his life for ours. That's the sacrifice that he made. And we can make sacrifices as well. You and I likely won't lay down our lives in the physical, literal sense for others. But there are times we can set aside our agendas, our plans, our own purposes because someone needs us. There are times when we can share from our resources in a way that's sacrificial because someone needs help. There are things that we can do that are sacrifices, things we can, sacrifices we can make for the good of others. Verse 2, Paul wrote these words, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. The mind of Christ is what he described. So now that we have this attitude check, that we understand these five aspects, maybe we've thought of some ways that we can improve, places we can be better. Let's not just change our attitudes. Let's also pick up the action that follows because actions speak louder than words. God is at work within us. That's what verse 13 said. It's God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Our obedience from the Spirit, that's the word that we call sanctification. That we're being made more and more like Jesus, sanctified, set apart for his service by the power of the Spirit of God. Our service is our calling. Our actions are what we carry out in faith. This is our obedience, to put it into action. Our work is our response to the grace that we have received. That's the the underlying message of this whole series is the obedience of faith. That faith in Jesus is what connects us to God and his spirit is at work in us. That we would will, that we would desire to do, and that we would work and actually carry it out. So work out your own salvation. That's a phrase that could be easily misunderstood. Work out your own salvation like, like it's a, a math problem. So you got to work it out. Right? That's not what Paul's talking about. In some ways, it's like to work from your salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. Now let's put that into action. What action can you take? God is calling us to humbly serve our neighbors, our families, our communities. He's given us skills and resources and opportunities to live out this obedience of faith. It's not enough to want to. For a number of years, I, they might still be using this expression. Nike advertises their shoes with that, that three-word catchphrase, right? Just do it. <laughs> Sometimes we need to just do it. 
without spending a lot of time planning, without spending a lot of time thinking about and considering and figuring out, let's do it. What's God calling you to do today? When all is said and done, let's have more done than said. There's another way to think about it. Jesus illustrates this whole idea in the gospel reading for today with the parable of the, of the two brothers. And the dad comes to him and says, hey, go work in the vineyard. And one says, all right, got you covered. And then he, I don't know, plays video games or something the rest of the day. This is a little bit of a stretch of the translation. And the other brother says, no, I'm not going to go. And that was actually the first one, wasn't it? But then he changes his mind and goes. Which one served the father? The one who actually carried it out, right? That's the, that's the message in the parable in the gospel. The message for us today is to carry it out. To have the attitude of Christ and to put that attitude into action. To the glory of our God. That we would shine as lights in the world. That's in verse 15 here in Philippians 2. Through attitudes that are like Jesus and actions that follow by the power of the Spirit at work within us that we would display this obedience that comes from faith in Christ our Lord. Amen.